What is up, ISM family? Welcome to the ISM Show. Right now, you're listening to one of three messages we have from the Momentum Tour. This one is from Pastor Micah Mack, all about Speed the Light. If this podcast is helpful to you in any way, please do three things. One, tell a friend. Two, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And three, follow us on social media, YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. Thanks again for checking out the ISM Show. Now, on to the message. Question for you. Uh, anybody in here love Taco Bell? Like, you know, Taco Bell. Do you guys have Taco Bells in Illinois? Do you guys have Taco Bells here? Because in Minnesota, they're everywhere. Like, they're really good. Have any of you ever, you guys actually have Taco Bell here? Like, for real? Like, you're not joking. Like, you actually have Taco Bell here? Okay, let me ask you a question. I want to see if you actually know it. Uh, have you ever heard of a drink there called Baja Blast? Okay, it's amazing. Am I right? It's, it's so good. I love Baja Blast. It's so good. Uh, I love Chipotle. I love Taco Bell. But let me ask you a question. Anybody ever here have a moment in your life that was super embarrassing or it literally like changed everything for you? Like you have a super embarrassing moment in your life. Maybe it was on the way here in a church van and you decided to secretly drop a deadly gas bomb, but instead it came out loud and everybody smelt it. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe you were carrying your books in school and you hit the stairs and your books went everywhere uh, as you fell down the stairs. Or maybe you were at summer camp two summers ago and you felt like the Holy Spirit told you at the altar that your wife was standing right next to you. So you looked over at her and said, you're supposed to be my wife someday. Okay. And something embarrassing like that. Okay. I don't know if anybody ever have an embarrassing moment before, like just a weird moment in your life. Okay. Some, okay. Some, well, for me, I've had many of those moments and it happened for me when I was in high school. Okay. And now, in high school, I was super tiny. I was super short. Like, I was so small that, like, the girls in my school were like, oh, my word, is he a high schooler? Because he looks like my little brother. And the other girl would be like, I know. I could just put him in my backpack and carry him around. Like, that's how small he is, okay? Like, that's how tiny I was, all right? And so in high school, there was this girl that I really liked, and I was like, man, I really like her, but she probably doesn't like me, and I'm so tiny, and I'm so small, and I'm just like, how in the world am I going to let her know that I like her? And I'm trying to talk with my homeboys, like, how do I let this girl know that I like her? Like, what do I do? And they're like, well, what are you good at? I'm like, I don't know. I like sports. I like to work out. I know I'm small. And they're like, dude, what about gym class? I'm like, well, I got gym class with her, but I don't know what I would do. And they're like, bro, just like find something in gym class to like do, I don't know, do something. And so finally it occurred to me what it was going to be. And I don't know if you guys do this in Illinois, but when I was in school, uh, there was something called the National like Physical Testing Day where you'd run the mile. You'd run the mile and then you'd do like arm hang or pull-ups and then you'd do like sit-ups. And I was like, well, I like doing sit-ups, so I'm going to sit next to her during sit-ups and show her how many sit-ups I can do. And so, and so, and so, uh, the teacher says, hey, everybody, get a partner. Everybody, get a partner. And I'm like, I got mine. And the goal of the partner is to hold your feet while you do the sit-ups. You know what I'm saying? It's the goal. And so I purposely sit right next to her, and they use the wrestling mats. You know what I'm saying? The wrestling mats in the gym class, like the ones they never wash and smells like ringworm, like those ones, like the disgusting ones. And so we're, <laughs> we're, we're laying on the wrestling mats. She's right next to me. And the gym teacher says, all right, everybody, I'm going to put up six. 60 seconds. Uh, please, partner, uh, record how many sit-ups you do in 60 seconds. And I want you to, uh, on the count of three, do as many as you can. 
And the teacher says, are you ready? And we're like, yeah. And so she goes, one, two, three. And I just start flying. I mean, I'm doing so many sit-ups. And I am looking over at her while I'm doing the sit-ups. And I'm sure she's thinking, like, you are weird. Why are you staring at me doing sit-ups? Like, why are you looking at me? I never recommend you men doing that. That's just awkward, okay? Don't do that, all right? But I'm just flying. For every one sit-up she's doing, I'm doing three. And I'm feeling confident about myself. But about the halfway mark, I don't know if it was like Taco Bell or Chipotle for lunch, I literally let out the loudest fart in my entire life. Like, hands down, the loudest fart. It, 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 it was just like... I'm like, somebody shut this mother down! Somebody turn off the shut-off valve! Somebody help a brother out! And I look over to my right, and she's like passed out from the smell. And everybody in the gym class stops doing sit-ups. No one finished the 60-second mark of doing sit-ups. Everybody stops, and they stare at guess who? Me. They're staring at me. Everybody stops, dead quiet, staring at me. And when everybody is looking at me, I do what probably all of you would have done. I just looked at everybody. I was like, it wasn't me. It was my partner. My partner. I was going so fast for him that the exertion of energy, it just made it come out of him. And can I just tell you for real, like, like it, was a, <laughs> it was a moment I will never, ever forget. And can I just say, life is, life is full of those kinds of moments. Like, Moments we wish we never would have happened, moments that were embarrassing, moments that were fun, moments that were exciting, some cool moments. But what I really wish I could do tonight is I really wish I could invite a friend up here by the name of Sarah to share a story with you about a moment that forever changed her life. In fact, if I could give her the microphone tonight and I could ask her to come up and share her story, this is how she might start out by talking to you tonight. You see, this girl, Sarah, was one of the most popular girls in her school. She was beautiful on the outside. She had this outward beauty. In fact, when she'd walk down the hall, people would look at her and people would admire her from afar and kind of wish they'd be friends and kind of wish that, you know, she'd follow them back on social media and different things like this. But here's the deal about this girl, Sarah. She just wasn't beautiful on the outside. On the inside, she was beautiful too. Like, she wasn't stuck up. She wasn't the kind of person who just kind of trampled over other girls and other people. She would walk the halls of her school and stop and talk to other people. She would try to get to know people. She'd look for people at lunch tables who were sitting alone and go and sit with those who were sitting by themselves. She was different in the way that she was beautifully outward, but she also was beautiful on the inside. You see, she went to youth group almost every Wednesday night. Her parents were involved at her church. She loved Jesus and she loved people and she made a difference in her school. But if she could be here tonight to talk to you and tell you her story, she'd tell you about a moment that changed, that changed everything. You see, Sarah, she came home after school one day and her dad buzzed on the table when she walked in the door. And she picked up her dad's phone and she was going to just give it to him so he could check it because it was buzzing for him. And when she flipped her dad's phone over, she saw inappropriate messages coming in from a woman that wasn't her mom. 
And she began to throw the phone down and started shaking. Because in that moment, she was catching her dad in an affair. And she went to her bedroom, shut the door, and started shaking even more, saying, okay, there's no way that's my dad's phone. That probably wasn't my dad's phone. I, I'll just forget about it. I, I, I'll just pretend I never saw it. And maybe it was somebody else who I had over, a friend who had it. Maybe it was their phone. It, it can't be my dad's phone. Didn't tell anybody about it. Lost sleep that night. Went to school hoping she'd forget about it. It would be just a dream, but she knew it wasn't. After a couple of days, she finally got the courage to talk to her dad. And she said, Dad, I've been losing sleep. Well, why, honey? Why have you been losing sleep? What's going on? Talk to me. What's up? She goes, Dad, I came home from school and your phone was buzzing. And when I turned your phone over, I saw the affair that was taking place between you and this woman. And in that moment, rather than a dad being remorseful, and sorrowful and broken because of the sin that he was allowing between his marriage, this dad flipped a switch and began to accuse his daughter, began to verbally attack her. Who do you think you are? What, why would you create a lie like that? Why would you try to get in between your mom and I? Why would you try to bring division? Go to your room. You're, that's stupid. That's, that's stupidity. How dare you? just assaults his daughter. Daughter begins to break down inwardly. Goes to school, afraid to come to church and tell and open up what's really going on at home. Afraid to tell anybody, carrying the weight of the words of a father spoken over his daughter. For a couple months, she just tried to kind of cover it and not let anybody in. She'd walk down the halls of her school, put on a smile, Still the nice girl to people. But eventually the wound of a father started to play out in a girl's life that she never thought possible. Suddenly the wounds of a dad began to play out in her everyday life. You see, the parties she used to say no to now became very appealing because the wound she had on the inside was never able to be fully healed or dealt with. So she started going to the parties. And now on Instagram and Snapchat and different apps, people would post pictures of her sipping bottles. People would post pictures of her taking pills. And now rumors would start to spread in the school. Hey, did you hear who she hooked up with? Hey, here, did you hear she, who, she, who she slept with? Hey, did you hear what she did this? This girl, the top of her class, this girl, the homecoming queen of her school, this girl who had a life that was beautiful on the outside, beautiful on the inside, literally starting to get destroyed right before her very eyes. Why? All because of a moment that changed everything. This girl barely graduated high school, and she said, if I could just leave my town and go to college and a university, I'll get away from everything and I'll be okay. She leaves high school, barely graduates, goes to a university within one year of going to college. She drops out because of how hard she's been parting, how many different things she's been dealing with. She says, if I can just go home and find a job and live on my own, if I could just find a husband to marry, someone to love me, someone to take care of me, if I can just fall in love, everything will be okay and I'll be fine. This girl ends up falling in love, ends up getting married to a man. Within one year of being married to this man, she ends up cheating on him, divorces him, and ends up getting married to a, the man she cheated with. 
After one year of being married to the second man, she ends up cheating on him, ends up leaving him for the man she cheated on him with and ends up marrying that guy. Now she's on her third marriage. After being married to him, she cheats on him, ends up getting married to the fourth guy, ends up cheating on the fourth guy with a different man, now is married to the fifth guy. Now she's on her fifth marriage, and you can probably guess what's going to happen next. The same thing happens. Why? All because of the brokenness. And a young girl who had wounds from a dad. This girl was going about her day and contemplating suicide because everybody in the town knew who she was. Everybody in the town knew about the gossip. And on a normal, average day, contemplating suicide and taking her life, this young girl happens to encounter something in someone whom she never met in her life. But if my friend could be here tonight to grab the microphone, she would tell you the rest of her story, how it went like this. That she ended up encountering somebody named Jesus. And this Jesus who she encountered knew everything about her. And this Jesus that she met began to tell her the things that she'd done in her past. And she began to freak out because she's like, how do you know me? How do you know all these things about me? How do you know everything about my life? But if she could tell you what she met and what she could tell you what happened to her, this is what she would say. In one moment, the brokenness from my own dad in one moment, the drugs that I've filled my life with, in one moment, the wounds I've been carrying, in one moment, the people I've hooked up with, in all of my sin, in all of my shame, I have never met a love that's ran deeper than all of that until I met somebody named Jesus. You see, the love that I met from Jesus, it, it covered the words my dad said to me, the love I met from Jesus, it covered the sin I had dealt with. The love I met from Jesus, it ran deeper than the problems of my life. And from that day forward, that one moment with Jesus, not only saved my life, but it so radically transformed me that I couldn't help but not tell the world that there was a God who loved them, a God who fully knew them, yet a God who fully loved them. I couldn't stop being quiet about telling people about Jesus. I couldn't help but tell the world that there's a Messiah who can save because if he can save me, surely he can save you. You see, this girl Sarah went from being really lost to being found and then went from being found to finding others who could be found too. You want to know what the gospel of Jesus Christ does to you and to me? Is what he does is he finds the broken us. And because of that love and that grace that he gives to us, we can't help but go and find others who are lost and broken too. The girl who I described to you tonight by the name of Sarah, I just gave her that name. You see, she's a real person. In fact, maybe, just maybe, she's in heaven next to Jesus, looking down on Illinois tonight. This was a woman 
who showed up to go get water at a well and ended up leaving what she came with, her jar, because she met a living water that would never run out in her life. This was a woman who was broken, who had a past, who went to a well by herself, and women never went to the well by themselves. But Jesus looked at her. He said, if you would just realize who was talking to you, you'd be able to have this living water. You came for water that will run out and you'll be thirsty again. But if you knew who was talking to you and the gift that he could give you, it'd be like a water that would never run out. It'd be like living water. Sir, tell me where I can get this water. Yeah, why don't you go call your husband? Sir, I don't have a husband. That's right. You've had five husbands and the man you're now with isn't your husband. Boom, drops the mic. Boom, drops the truth in her life. And then the very first time Jesus ever says that he's the Messiah publicly is not in a big crowd of people. It's saved for one woman who was lost and broken. The first time Jesus ever declares he's the Messiah out loud with his mouth is with one woman at a well who's lost. He reveals it to her. And the shame comes rumbling off her life. The need of physical water drowns for the need of her soul to be found. You see, when Christ finds you, it can't help but now compel you. Jesus didn't come to save people, to be consumers for the rest of their life. But Jesus came to save people, to be contributors from the moment that they get saved to the moment that they die. And all throughout scripture, you see people who are lost become found, and now they can't stop telling others about the love of Jesus. I wonder how many of us came to Momentum Tour expecting to consume. But all the while, you thought this first session would be all about you. But what if Jesus said, I wanted to make it about the nations? Those. You want to know what blows my mind? Jesus met a woman at a well, and it forever changed her life. But here's the deal. Don't miss this. Jesus is still meeting people at wells today. He's still meeting people at wells today. You're like, what do you mean? You know what's crazy? Is you probably woke up, took a shower, if you didn't take a shower, you probably grabbed a cup of water and you drank it. You know what's crazy to me? Is you and I never think about what it's like to not take a shower or take a bath or to not get a cup of water. But you want to know what's crazy to me? We have people around the world that are literally dying every day all because they don't have clean drinking water. One out of five people die every day in sub-Sahara Africa all because they don't have clean drinking water. Oh, God, I really hope you move in my life. I can't wait to consume. Can't wait. I really hope the worship's good. I really hope I like the speaker. I heard him last year. I hope he doesn't share the same story. Oh, man, I really, really hope it's good for me. Uh-uh. What if it flipped the script and say, God, I can't wait to come to Momentum to contribute. God, I can't wait to come to Momentum to be a blessing to other people. I brought a picture 
a real life picture that's not made up, but that's real. Put up a picture of my friend drawing water from a well. You see, I had the privilege and opportunity to fly into Africa when I heard that there was a need that people don't have clean water to drink. Right there is real. And you wanna know where they go and get water from? They go and get water from little holes. That's the same place that animals go and get water. You wanna know why they have diseases? They have diseases because the animal bacteria gets into the human body and it's not meant to handle animal bacteria. So kids die, people die. And it broke my heart to watch people and the, made in the image of God have bloated stomachs or diseases. And yet here you and I are. And all we care about is what we might get. I brought a video to show you the impact of what happens when Illinois students decide to not make it about them, but decide to be like a Samaritan woman and leave everything to go let everybody else know about Jesus. Take a look at this video of what a water well is doing through your giving of Illinois Student Ministries. Water is life. Having clean drinking water is something that most of us in the United States take for granted. At the turn of a faucet, you can rinse your dishes, take a shower, and make a refreshing glass of iced tea. But imagine life without clean water, where you have to travel hours on foot in the hot sun just to find a muddy trench filled with stagnant rainwater. Insects have laid their eggs in it. Your livestock drink from it. It is diseased with animal feces and urine, but it's the best you got to bring home to your children and family. Water determines quality of life. Water is essential. Water is life. And water is the vehicle which the gospel is being spread in Africa. Over the next few years, Speed the Light has made the commitment to spread the gospel through unconventional means. We are bringing physical water along with the living water of Jesus Christ to completely transform these desperate villages in Africa. Your Speed the Light money will make it possible for WorldServe to strategically dig wells just like this one next to churches. These churches then become powerful oasis centers in which water provides sanitation, restores dignity, and changes lives for all eternity. Will you help? Speed the Light is calling you, along with thousands of students across America, to end the water crisis in Africa once and for all bringing the gospel to the most remote places so that every person may find life in Jesus Christ. Here is how the kingdom of God works. This is really dope, y'all. And this is exactly what you get to be a part of. This is really dope. Don't miss this. When I flew into Africa, I flew into a place called Mafia Island. It's an island off the coast of Tanzania. And I meet this pastor in his 50s. He sits us down. He says, I want to tell you how I got to this island. He said, my family and I, we lived in Tanzania. I was a pastor there. God woke me up in the middle of the night, said, I want you to take your family and go to Tanzania or go to Mafia Island. I want you to leave your church, leave everything you've known, and I want you to go to this island. 
There's 99% of the island that is Muslim and doesn't follow Jesus. I want you to go. He talked to his wife the next morning. He said, God said we need to go to Mafia Island. She said, God's already been speaking to me. We need to go. He takes his little kids and he goes to the island, not far from the country. When he gets to the island, he starts a church. Guess how many people show up to the first church service that he starts? Just his him, his wife, and his kids. He preaches a sermon that day to his children, believing that God told them to plant a church. Here's the deal. This pastor, as he was on the island, as he'd meet the people and meet the people on this island, that he discovered that these people on the island were dying because they didn't have clean water. So he began to hear of students in America, students in Illinois, who decided to be like Jesus and see a moment to change everything. This pastor discovered that there was people like you sitting in chairs like yourself that wouldn't make it about them, but that would make it about other people. You see, what he discovered is that these people would never be open to the gospel unless first the practical need of getting clean water could minister to a community. So he found out that there was an operation to put a water well right outside the church. Students like you in America, teenagers, decided to sacrifice, buy a water well and put it outside of his church. He would watch as the community would come out in droves and they'd stop at the water well and it was an opportunity for the pastor and his wife to make bridges in the community. He started leading people to Jesus, so much so that the Muslim Brotherhood on the island decided to plan and strategize how to kill him and his wife and his kids in the middle of the night. They hired hitmen to show up at his door, break into his house, and gun him and his family down in the middle of the night. This was a pastor who counted the cost to go and plant a church on an island he's never met. People he'd never met. That night, a couple gunmen show up in a car in the middle of the night to go in and assassinate his wife, him, and his kids. But as the gunmen show up, they see that there's armed gunmen outside of his house, large machine guns outside of his house protecting his house. The Muslim Brotherhood gets word that this pastor has armed gunmen outside of his house. The Muslim Brotherhood tells the governing authorities, why does this pastor who moved from Tanzania, why does he have gunmen protecting his house? The governing authorities show up in his house, knock on the door, the pastor opens the door, he said, sir, we got a complaint that you have armed gunmen around your house. We would like to search your house for the guns that you have. The pastor said, you can search my whole house. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any guns. I don't even know anybody with guns. They search his entire house. They don't find one gun. You want to know what that pastor told me as I was sitting down with them? He said, Micah, I believe it was angels outside my house protecting me from the hitmen, the people that wanted to kill me and my family so that we could continue with the gospel and seeing this island reach for Jesus. This pastor is still on the island today, has raised up five other churches on the islands, and it's the students of Illinois that have caught God's heart from being found to now finding others for the gospel. You, you are making a difference. Put up the picture of Pastor Moshe, please, and Lydia. 
This is the picture of the pastor. That's me with Pastor Moshe. That was the man who left with his family to start a church. But here's how the kingdom of God works. God uses people like Moshe to be obedient and go to an island. But God also uses teenagers like Lydia. In that picture, she's 14 years old. And every Saturday since camp, she goes and sits with the ukulele and plays for two hours and puts out a chip tip jar so people can put money in it and every dollar she gets it goes overseas to help build water wells why because one water well changes everything you see it's a change for the community but not just that they actually get to know about the living water that girl Lydia has raised over three thousand dollars just by sitting in a coffee shop strumming a ukulele for two hours I wonder what student in the room will actually make a difference with their life. I wonder what student in the room will catch hearts, God's heart, not to be a consumer, but to be a contributor. I wonder what student in the room would be compelled by God's love for a people that he loves so much. You can put up the next picture. This is a 12-year-old kid. His name's Michael. I was sitting next to him at a table no idea who he was. His youth pastor pulls me aside. He goes, bro, that 12-year-old kid? I say, yeah, what about him? He said, that dude made a YouTube channel. He's 12. And on his YouTube channel, he just made quick videos for his school, all his friends. He said, hey, I'm going to bake banana bread. And if you want to buy a banana bread, every dollar you give me, it's going to go plant water wells to help people. This 12-year-old kid gave over $1,000 last year to missions by making banana bread, y'all. You want to know what's really cool? As I was sitting next to him, he's filling out a card on what God's speaking him to give the following year. And I watched this 12-year-old kid write out $1,500. He's 12. And he's catching God's heart for the nations. Take a look at a girl. We're at summer camp. God called her to be a missionary to Africa, but she didn't wait to go to be a missionary. She started being a missionary right now. Take a look at this video of a girl by the name of Cameron who's making a difference with her life. Take a look at the video. My name is Cameron Bauer and I'm in seventh grade. I am raising calves for Speed the Light, and every day I'm up at 6 a.m. Get my boots on and I walk out to the barn. I go up by the calves and pull out all the buckets. And then I have to fill the buckets, put the formula in and mix it. bring those out to the calves and while they're drinking that I fill I have to refill all their water buckets grab all their milk pails and bring them into the sink and give them all them their water and feed buckets back and then I wash the milk buckets and then I'm done. I just sacrifice a lot of things like sleepovers being able to sleep in, which I missed a lot. 
It's definitely worth the sacrifice for me because I know that I'm doing this to make money and that money that I make is gonna be going to help reach other people. I can raise calves for Speed the Light. What can you do? Here's what I love about Cameron, is Cameron, she was called to be a missionary at sixth grader, to be in Africa. The next year at summer camp, God whispers the word Kenya. She's never heard of Kenya in her life. She goes to her youth leader and says, what does Kenya mean? And her youth leader could have made fun of her. But she goes, you don't know what Kenya is? She goes, no, I don't know what Kenya is. I just heard God say Kenya. She goes, honey, Kenya is a country in Africa. And this girl that you just saw in the video is like, God's narrowing in my call as a missionary. Before this girl ever goes to Africa, this girl has already given over a couple thousand dollars to Africa so the people of Africa can be reached. God's doing it. This Sunday in her church, she's bringing a live cattle on the stage. And she's going before her church as a 14-year-old girl now, telling the story of what God's been doing in her heart. Don't tell me God can't use teenagers to change the world. Don't tell me God can't use young people from all over the place to make a difference, to maybe provide a moment that might change everything for someone at a well. You want to know what's so powerful? I got an email from that Pastor Moshe that you saw on the screen. Listen to what he told me. He said, Micah, ever since the students in Illinois started giving money to build wells, ever since the students across the country gave money to build wells outside of our churches, don't miss this. He said, Micah, I've seen more people come to believe in Jesus in just the short amount of time of having water wells than my entire years of being a pastor in the mainland of Tanzania. More people have come to know Jesus more people than ever before than all of my years of being a pastor in Tanzania. That is why we do what we do. I'll never forget the moment I was sleeping in a hut in Africa. There was hippos in the stream. The monkeys were screaming above me in the trees. And at 3 a.m., the Holy Spirit wakes me up and says, Micah, I want you to give $20,000 to wells in Africa. And I look at God and I'm like, yo, I barely make that much. Like, there's no way. He goes, no, I want you to give $20,000 to Africa to make a difference for Wells. I'm freaking out. I go home. I tell my wife. I'm expecting her to slap me across the face and be like, get back to Africa and come home with something different to say. Okay? She doesn't do that because she's nice. She looks at me and she goes, let's do it. Let's go. My wife and I did everything we could to give $20,000. We sold things in our home. We emptied our savings account. I'm not gonna tell you how much. We emptied every dollar in our savings account. I gave everything I could. We ran a marathon trying to raise funds. $13,500 came in at the end of the year. $6,500 short. I turn off my phone. I say, you know what? God, you told me to give this. I'm not gonna check my phone the rest of the year. When I turn it off, I'm just gonna trust that you'll do something. I get an email from the accountant at our church. She said, Micah, while you were away, I wasn't able to get a hold of you, but someone anonymously gave $6,500. I sent it out already. I just wanted you to know, I don't know if that means anything to you, 
The husband wanted to give 5,500. The wife wanted to give 7,500. They got in an argument. They said, let's meet in the middle at 6,500. The exact amount needed to give 20,000. Yeah, for real. You want to know what's crazy? In the shower, I have this moment with God, knowing every dollar in my bank account left. But know what's so powerful is this overwhelming feeling that so many kids in Africa, one would never have to die, but now they would get the opportunity to hear about the love of Jesus. That I would spend eternity in heaven, not just with kids in Illinois and across the country, but that the nations would be reached, but that the nations would know Jesus. What might Jesus want to do through a bunch of teenagers in the room? Last night, $10,000 came in the room. And we just got word not long ago, someone came to Pastor Chris and said, if Illinois students give $50,000, I'll match $50,000. In other words, in a moment of a couple days, we have a chance to give $100,000 to make a difference in somebody's life that could change everything. Let me ask you a question. What does God want you to give? And when was the last time you gave and it hurt? It was a sacrifice. Every time I get to preach on missions, it hurts to give what we give. But I love every time how it's not about me. And if you want to be reminded on what scripture says, look at how many times where the word generosity is associated with prosper. Those who are generous will be refreshed. Those who are generous will be renewed. Those who are generous will be blessed. Those who are generous will have it given back to them. How many times does generosity go hand in hand with actually being blessed? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And in just a little bit, we're going to take up an offering. After I get done praying, I'm going to have Pastor Chris come up and just lead you through some things. Jesus, I thank you so much for an opportunity to make a difference for someone that could literally change everything. God, there was a woman at a well who was alone and broken, and you changed her life forever. And what's powerful is you're still using water wells today to change and meet people at a well. You're still using water wells today to meet a practical need that the church can do, but more than that, to see the living water that you came to give. Fill and transform people all over the world. God, I pray today we would step out in faith. I pray for supernatural generosity. I pray for supernatural obedience. I pray for supernatural giving. God, where it's an opportunity to consume, forgive us and help us into becoming more like your son Jesus and looking for ways to contribute. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.